Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I'm here with Giorgio Mays for Text Driven Tuesday. Late Text Driven Tuesday. And it's actually Tuesday. It's actually Tuesday. It's actually Tuesday. This will be out Tuesday afternoon sometime after we record it and get it all processed and uploaded. Sorry for the delay. That's a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Was that state softball tournament yesterday at the Softball Hall of Fame? They did not win. They lost. But pretty sure it's the furthest they've ever gone in school history. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still good. Yeah, it was fun. Fun yeah. atmosphere. High energy. That softball is high energy sport. Yeah. It's funny, huh? Yeah. It's not like baseball at all. Baseball, like if I go to a baseball game, if I go to a pro game, it's guaranteed I'm taking a nap. <laughs> hey, that's part of the that's part of the the character of a baseball. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's, it's meant the, it's meant for you to be able to to hang out with friends and talk and three or four and hours game going. I want three or four hours, and then sometime you know sixth inning, I'm probably gonna take a little nappy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. That's just people don't like that though nowadays though. So if you're not into that, maybe check out the softball. <laughs> yeah. There's no stealing in softball. Well, you can in fast pitch. Okay. Fast pitch softball, there's there's stealing. Okay. Yeah. It's fun. So it was cool. Yeah. But now here we are one day removed. And as I told you before, I don't even remember the sermon. Well, before so uh, I'm gonna, b- before I'm gonna have to go back and look at everything. That's really encouraging, Jay. Hey. I really I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, George, do you even remember what if if you didn't have your notes over there, would you even remember what you said? Yeah. Oh well, not all of it. Of course not all of it. But definitely the points, definitely the intro. Um one week removed, would you even remember it? If I looked at the text, I, prob- <laughs> I probably would be able to get get there. What's the threshold to where you forget? Two weeks, probably. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean I, it's. <clears throat> it, I mean, as soon as I'm done preaching, I go home, get ready for the next. Get you know, have lunch, take a nap, maybe just hang out, and then Sunday night, I'm working on my my sermon for the following week. I'm already trying to think of like how is this text put together? How am I mm-hmm. going to communicate it? And um, I've already got kind of an outline for for next Sundays. And so you've got dual <laughs> dual outlines. But mm-hmm. I can still I can still remember this one. I can remember it too. I'm just I'm just joking. Yeah, I don't I'm sure, I'm I, sure. I can remember it's, it's a real funny joke, Jay. I remember sure. the main ideas. <laughs> I remember the main ideas, but it's not as fresh yeah. as it would have been if we I got had you. done it on Monday. I like got we you. usually do. We could have done a remote. We could have a remote one. We could hear all have the call people in? screaming in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah. So before we start talking about the passage, um, I got a text from one of our church members mm-hmm. a few days ago. Did you get a text from a church member? I yeah. I mean, I got. Well, you would have recognized this one. You know, like this one would have stood out. I I think. Really? Yeah. So I got a text message, and uh, the text was, "You you recognize these guys?" <laughs> oh yeah. I did got you get that. this one? Yeah, I did. Well, I think he sent it in a group text, man. Did he? Yeah. Did he really? I think so. I don't know if he did. Anyway, you want to put it up on the screen, Larry? <laughs> I showed this to Drake. I, sh- I, sh- I showed Jay, that to Drake. Gotta, he Jay, thought it was me. Jay, you got to confess. 
<laughs> are you <laughs> are you a time traveler? <laughs> uh, I I showed the full picture to Ted Drake and he thought it was me. He's <laughs> like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Have to grow that beard out a little bit. I mean, I don't. I mean, the guy on the right doesn't really look like me, but it it, it there is an uncanny resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> the guy on the left, <laughs> um, and uh, putting them together. I don't know. Maybe it's time to convert. I think it, Jay, it could maybe be it's time. time to go to. It could the be Eastern Orthodox. It could be time for a new, um, a new conform to Christ uh, <laughs> thumbnail logo. Oh, yeah. I think we could maybe put that up there. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. So. Uh funny stuff yeah, yeah i remember that it's interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so that was uh that they was were kind of, that was kind of a weird picture there they had yeah, some was, like a monastery in oklahoma have you seen those pictures of uh of different people throughout history and they look like keanu reeves yeah yeah there's a few there's there's some of uh oh, what's his name morgan freeman too really yeah i don't know if i've seen the morgan freeman ones oh it's yeah. gonna be you. There's gonna be pictures. Man. People are gonna start looking looking for you. The doppelganger in historical pictures. Yeah. Gonna doppelganger. Gotta find some painting of uh, Vikings raiding <laughs> some some coast coastland village, and someone looks uncannily like Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so does the priest. Apparently, I, I guess so. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, shall we jump in here, George? Let's do it. I had a random fact for you I learned, but I'll save it for Free For All Friday. I'll hold on to it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Here we are, Hebrews. Coming off of the uh, the sermon that you preached that made everybody think that you had uh, gone full on Team Servetus and abandoned uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. abandoned your Calvinistic roots, become an Arminian. Right. So we're coming uh, off... Uh, you know, I, I imagine that some people thought that I was kind of schizophrenic with... Uh, Last week's and then yeah. and then this week's. Well, that's how you. Well, what do is, it, like man. what does he what does he actually believe? You know, that's that's what I've always uh, had pounded in my head for my preaching professor. He said, "If you just will just preach the text as you come to them, mm. and somebody just shows up randomly at your church, they may think you're an Arminian. Yeah, that's good. And then they're going to come back next week and they're going to go, this dude is a Calvinist.'" <laughs> And then he's is this said, even the same guy? Yep. He said, if you, if that can't happen, it's because you're imposing things. Yeah, that's what I was trying to because I got a lot of I, I got a lot of calls and and uh, and texts and and questions about last week's sermon. And one of the things I, I tried to to really impress upon people is that you just go where the text leads you. Yeah. Don't, don't try to don't try to insert things into the text that aren't there. Just try to go with what the text is saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll have to wrestle with that because sometimes the text says things that um, kind of kind of butt up against our our uh, presuppositions. We didn't have anybody gotta, rededicating their lives. We did like not have any. Week. No, we did not. <laughs> I guess they got the last part of your sermon last week, which said that if you fall away, you can never return. I guess. I guess so. Maybe that was it. Yeah. But then here's some uh, good news. Yeah, there's there's assurance in verse nine. Starting yeah. in verse nine. So the we don't want to we don't want to read the warning in a vacuum. 
but we also want to let the warning stand on its own. So you you want to take the warning as a warning, and a lot mm-hmm. of people they want to jump they want to jump to the assurance too quickly, and I think we need to let the warning warn us, right? But then we don't stay there because the author doesn't stay there. He goes and he he says, well, there actually is strong assurance for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. Not not just our passage for today, but our passage for next week is going to be dealing with um, assurance and the assurance that we have. So verses nine through twenty, um, they they really stand together as this assurance of of hope, it, despite the warning, despite the strong warning. The the assurance is equal to the task. Yeah. Good. All right, well, can you read this, verse 9, starting yep. in verse 9? Yeah, 9 Hebrews. through 12 is, is where we'll be. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, if you're at home. All right. It says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Good. Thank you. All right. So your outline had three points. Now, I didn't catch like a uh, plural noun proposition, but you gave it this way. So this is the way we'll go through it. The in nine through twelve, the author of Hebrews um, gives confidence that you will not fall away, and it is based on the character of God in the work of God for the purpose of continued trust in God. There it is. Good. Yep. All right. So confidence that we will not fall away if we are actually believers in Christ, and this assurance is based in the character of God in the work of God for the purpose of continued trust in God. That's a really God word. Well, that's what I was looking at, you know, as you as you read it. He says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure better things, things that belong to salvation for God. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's, it's assurance. He has confidence for these Christians, despite the warning that he's given. It's a strong warning, but he wants to give strong assurance for them. But I, I, it really stuck out to me as I was studying it, verse 10, like mm-hmm. this assurance, it's based on something that God is doing. Even though they're doing something, it really is centered on God. Yeah. All which, right. Which is important for us to, to understand in our, as we go along, we'll see that it's, we have responsibility to do something, but at the very center of it is God. <clears throat> so this this get to this first one this this assurance that they will not fall away the other has his base in the character of God. All right, so he's given pretty strong strong uh, warning, and he's told what could what would happen if. And I used it that way because remember what you told us is this is not a description. He's not telling them what has happened, right? But he's telling them what would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, but I don't think that's going to happen to you. And I don't think it, and he bases it all on who God is. Mm-hmm. So right. the first one, it's based in the character of God. So assurance that if we're believers, we won't fall away. Um, he's sure of better things. How can he be so confident? 
zeroing in on verse 10. And the idea here is God is not unjust. Right. So that's a majorly important um, thing, and just even understanding salvation in general, Right. that God is not unjust. Uh, I think we'll get to basing it in this author's argument, but if for the people that are just listening, the normal understanding of God that is just prevalent in our world, I think, really is that God is an unjust God. And because he is unjust, um, everyone that dies receives justification by death. Mm. I'm trying to wrap my brain around like the present condition in which we live. Okay. I was, I was trying to follow you, where you were going. You, you I, wasn't sure, I wasn't sure where you were going, but yeah. Everyone that dies today so they wouldn't, goes to heaven. Right. They wouldn't... Um, they wouldn't frame it in... Well, they wouldn't frame it that right, way. Right, but that, that would be the case. Right. That would be the case, that um, God is just a big old teddy bear, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you might, you might mess up, but it's not, it's, not a bit, it's, you know, it's not a big deal because God is love, and God... I don't even know if they would... A lot of people in our world would even frame it in terms of forgiveness so much as... God, he just lets everything. Care. He, he doesn't lets care, sl- and that's why I mean he's unjust. Yeah. Right, he just lets everything go. He doesn't yeah. care about anything. But in everyone's, I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some people that, um, maybe would think differently. But for everyone, I, I think for the most part, there's somebody that they would say does not deserve. To go to heaven, mm-hmm. whether it's Hitler or, I mean, in our our culture, slaveholders, mm-hmm. um, people who are abusers, um, child molesters. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really start thinking about the specifics. It's really easy for people to say, "Well, God is love, and you know everyone's going to go to heaven." But then let's start talking about specific people, mm-hmm. like Jeffrey Dahmer. Is Jeffrey Dahmer, God's just going to be like, "Nah," eh. the whole head in the fridge thing, "Nah," eh, you right. know, um, yeah, Char- th- you know, Charles Manson, you know, God just turns a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when we start thinking about the the specifics, I I think most people would would agree. I mean, you you look at you look at our culture, you look at the way that um, you know critical race theory has infiltrated everything, and the way they frame everything. Like, there's no forgiveness in critical race theory. Um, there, there's always there's always something that needs to be done. There, there's always you always have to be doing the work of anti racism and mm. and white people are always going to be culpable for injustice. Mm. Are are you saying that God is is not going to do that? Like there's no like they constantly want there to be something done because they're always pursuing justice. Are you saying that God wouldn't do the same? Right. 
Well, yeah, that's what they're saying because everyone that dies is right. goes on to a better place. Yeah. So, and you see this if you go to a funeral. Oh yeah. If you go to a funeral, um, if you go to enough funerals, you will run across this. Uh-huh. It is justification by death. Oh yeah. They and could that, be the they could be the worst person who's ever lived, and at the funerals, people are going to be like, "Oh, he's such a such a gentle soul." Yeah. Hmm. Right. But this is not what the author of Hebrews says. I, I think also, um, and um, I ran across this a little bit this past week, that God is arbitrary and that um, the the warning is almost, watch out, God's going to zap you. Hmm. So there's, there's that side also. Hmm. There's the God doesn't care, and there's the God who's arbitrary. Both of those would be unjust. Yeah, God is a God of justice, and that is that's found throughout the Scripture. Throughout the Scripture, um, Deuteronomy thirty-two four, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm eighty-nine fourteen, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. This is what God's kingdom is based upon: righteousness. God does what's right, and justice. He does mm-hmm. what's, what is just. Right. And the rules that he gives are not like just some rules that could have been other rules. Right. And that's what people I think fail to understand. Yeah. Why why is there no adultery? Like why is that just some arbitrary rule that God pulled out of the cosmic bag and he could have he could have put another one? Yeah, this was this was argued a lot and I'm sure it's still argued with um you know homosexuality. Right. Like why would God care who mm-hmm. I sleep with? Mm-hmm. Well, he does, and it's not arbitrary. There's a reason, right? And and I think it's I think what we see the Ten Commandments are like an expression of God's character and nature in law form. Mm-hmm. Like we don't lie because God is not a liar. Right? Hey, you don't start preaching the sermon for next <gasps> Sunday. Oh <Jack>. no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! So these are even even uh, the commandments we have. They're not right. arbitrary. Right. They're based in who God is and his character and nature. Mm-hmm. And so the writer of Hebrews says, if you want assurance, really it's based in this idea or this fact, this reality, let's call it a governing reality of the universe. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Okay. A governing reality of the universe that God is not unjust. That's important. Yeah, I came across Psalm thirty-seven twenty-eight. It says, "For the Lord loves justice; He will not forsake His saints. They mm-hmm. are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off." Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that's that's a massive statement. Because God loves justice, His saints are safe; mm-hmm. they're preserved. That's that's where assurance comes from. That God is a God of justice. He's not unjust. Yeah. And so an interesting spin, though, in verse 10 comes. I don't know if it's a spin, but it might be like a, I wasn't expecting that angle to come. God is not so unjust as to overlook your work Mm -hmm. and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. Mm -hmm. That we're going to have to unpack a little bit. Yeah. And that's the second point. Yeah. So wait, wait. Yes, uh, based in the yes. work of God. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead. Yes, 
but yes, that's that but, is a that's that is an interesting that is an interesting spin. Well, let's back it up for a second, okay? Because the whole thing for God's justness and our assurance mm-hmm. is based ultimately in what He has done for His people in Christ, right? And this would feed into the whole high priesthood idea mm-hmm. that's permeating these verses, surrounding verses, right? Right, because God has sent Christ. Christ has died as a substitute for His people. He has taken their sin on the cross. God's justice has been satisfied. And so God has already punished the sins of all believers in his son. Jesus Christ, it is finished. Um, his resurrection is proof that the cross actually accomplished what he set out to accomplish. Uh-huh. And so God would be unjust to punish those who are trusting in Christ. Because it'd be it'd be double jeopardy. Well, this is a major blow, and people say oh, this is a logical. This is just a logical argument. Well, no, not really. It's an argument from variety of scriptures, um, e- even some that are here in Hebrews mm-hmm. about Christ's atoning work on the cross and his right. high priesthood, mm-hmm. um, his securing of a, a eternal, right. eternal Etern- redemption right. for his people. That. We are able to make a logical inference, of course, that he actually died. When he died, he actually accomplished um, a propitiation for his people, right? Right. Therefore, it is not possible that Christ made a general sacrifice for no people in particular, right? just for everyone possibly in the world all over the place, who may one day actually come to him or not. Um, if we take the Hebrew sacrifice, Christ high priesthood, his work, um, that means that God... Well, we go the double jeopardy route, right? Mm-hmm. He's if, ar- he's ar- his justice has already been satisfied against my sin, and so... Right, but what I'm saying is it cannot be as some people claim, or there would never be a person in hell. Right. Ever. Yeah, that's the... And therefore, the, none of the warnings would apply <laughs> right? at all. Yeah, that's... Um, I mean, that, that gets to the really the heart of the cross, what happened on the cross. Um, that's why a, a, a consistent Arminian, which I've, I don't think I've ever met a consistent Arminian, um, because I've grown up in the Baptist world, you can't be a consistent Arminian and be a Southern Baptist. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't work. There's you gotta, conflict. You got to go over to the uh, Wesleyan side. Yeah, you got to go over to Methodism. Um, uh, but you've got um, the 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 consistent Arminian. They can't hold the penal substitutionary atonement. Uh-huh. They have to hold to the governmental theory. Yes, that Christ on the cross made salvation possible. That in God's system, now He can forgive sinners because mm-hmm. of Christ. That's right. But that's not that's not the reform view, and I I would argue that's not the Scriptures view. I I would argue that the, that the Scriptures view is penal substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. That Jesus actually suffered wrath for God's people on the cross as their substitute. Yeah. And so when God pours out His wrath on Jesus, it's not for sins in general, but sins in particular. Mm-hmm. There are particular sins that Jesus is atoning for, um, and it has to be particular people. If it's particular sins, it's got to be particular people. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and by doing that, God has poured out his wrath on Jesus. Mm-hmm. So Jesus has, um, he's experienced hell on the cross for, mm-hmm. for my sins, for your sins, um, for the sins of all of those whom he is dying for. Um, And so, since he already suffered God's justice and wrath and hell, um, we won't Mm -hmm. because God's already been, he's been propitiated. That's what the whole word propitiation means, satisfaction. God has been satisfied in Christ's death, and so you don't have to satisfy God's wrath in hell. And so, because of Christ... Everyone who's in who's in Christ, everyone who's believing in Christ, they will not fall away because Christ has already died for them, and mm-hmm. God is just. That's right. So that's it for verse 10, first point. God is just. God is not unjust. If God were unjust, we'd be running around all the time thinking, is he going to take it back? Is he going to take back what Christ did? <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, there would be no assurance. Yeah. There would be no assurance. If, uh, if it was um, something that you had to do, you could never do enough. Uh-huh. Like, what is enough? What what could possibly satisfy God's justice? Um, but since Christ has died, um, everyone who trusts in him will be saved. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what the warning passage is meant to do for believers. It's not meant to push them away and make them say, I've got to do something the warning passage is meant to cause them to cling closely to Christ because it is Christ alone. When we say Christ alone, where is that? Right there. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually mean it. Mm-hmm. Like we mean Christ alone. Not we don't sneak. We don't have to sneak anything in. It's Jesus alone. It's His death alone. Um, and the warning passage is meant to cause believers to cling to Christ as their only hope. Mm-hmm. All right. Then the second point, this is the one that has the little twist. Based in the work of God. But what's the work of God? What is it? Well, that's that's the question that, that pops up when you when you read this. God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. You have to ask the question, does this mean that the more works I do, the more that God owes me? Mm-hmm. So my assurance is based on the fact that I do all these good works, and so on the last day, all my good works are going to outweigh my bad works, and God's going to say, well, uh, I I guess you get in. Yeah. Uh, but that would contradict the book of Hebrews <laughs> and all of the New Testament. That's, that's <clears throat> not what's going on here. Um, what's going on, I think, is Matthew 25. Mm-hmm. So you go to Matthew 25, um, it's Jesus talking about um, the last judgment. He comes in his glory, he sits on his throne, he divides the sheep and the goats, and he looks at the sheep, and he tells them, um, uh, blessed are you in my kingdom because you did these things. You, um, I was, I was uh, naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was mm-hmm. sick and in prison and you visited me. Um, so what they're doing is um, just being obedient to what Jesus has been talking about here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what these, these, uh, these Christians have been doing. But why do, they, why do the people in Matthew 25 do it? 
is it to is it to kind of curry favor with uh-huh. Jesus? Right. And I think if you read it and you really pay attention to the details, you have to say that's not what's going on, uh-huh. because they respond to Jesus and they say, "When did we see you?" Right. Right. In any of these situations, yeah. they they almost seem oblivious. Right. Like they almost seem like I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Jesus. Um, and what's interesting is that in verse 37, they're called the righteous. Uh-huh. Like they're already they're already labeled that. Right. Um, so I think what's going on is that they're righteous, and so they do righteous deeds. Uh-huh. Um, their their deeds, their works, are evidence that something has already happened in them to make them do these things. This is a favorite parable of like, uh, well, I think like liberals when they take it out of context Mm -hmm. though. And they say, well, hey, you know, this is, we ought to be doing all of these things, but they forget a detail from that parable, which is the least of these. um, And that in that parable, he's referring to, other disciples, right? Like it's not about taking care of. Yeah, well, you visited me in prison, right? It's not just doing prison ministry, though. Prison ministry is good um, and necessary, um, I think, but that's not what he's talking about. It's it's people who are in prison because they're Christians. Yes, <laughs> and you see that that's a major in, in Hebrews chapter ten, where yes. he's, which again is at the end of a warning passage, um, where he talks about how they're suffering and caring for those who are in prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, why are they in prison? Because they're Christians. He's talking about believers who are being persecuted, and the saints are taking care of them. They're showing love for them. Yeah. Um, and they're doing it out of a heart that has been transformed. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what's going on here. When it says that um, God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. I think what he's saying is, here's my confidence, here's my assurance that you're not going to fall away. I've already seen the evidence that you have been born again. Right. That's it. And so God's work is evidence in their life, um, and God, again, is not unjust. Uh-huh. He's He started a work. He's going to bring it to completion, uh-huh. right? Um, so they're not doing this. They're not doing this just as charity work. They're doing it as disciples. They're doing it as those who have had their hearts transformed by grace, and uh, so they're. It's this is uh, faith. Faith apart from works is is dead, right? This is... I, I like uh, I like what Dennis Johnson. He's one of the commentators that I I look at. He he labels this the comforting evidence of God's heart transforming, love producing grace. Uh-huh. And that's what's going on here. Mm. He says, "I'm even though we speak in this way, I'm I'm confident of better things for you, things uh, concerning salvation, because I've seen the evidence of your your hearts being changed, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I know you're not going to fall away because God's already started a work in you, and He's going to bring it to completion. And this warning, it's part of." It's part of that work um, to bring you to full sanctification is because of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of people, they, they see stuff like this and they hear the words work or do something and they immediately think, hey, that's legalism. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so we have a bunch of Christians that are antinomian. We have a lot of Christians that um, – th- this, is, this, is, this is why I – 
I kind of bristle under the the label "once saved, always saved." Like, yes, the the idea that that a Christian once saved will always be saved, I affirm that. But mm-hmm. the way that it's used is often in this "it doesn't matter right. how you live" mm-hmm. kind of way. And I, I know a lot of people don't don't you know they don't use it that way, um, but that's why I I prefer. Um, you know, eternal, eternal security or, or perseverance of the saints is, I mean, that's, I think that's much more accurate mm-hmm. um, to what's going on. You have to persevere. It's not say a prayer or make, make a one-time decision and then go live your life. You're once saved, always saved. It's because God has done something for you. He's changed your life. You're going to look different. Mm-hmm. You're going to produce fruit. That's what he's calling them to do in the warning passage. He gives that illustration at the end, uh, verses seven and eight, about the the land that drinks in the rain and it produces a crop. That's what he's talking about. Like, look at your life. Are you producing fruit? Mm-hmm. Are, are you claiming to be a Christian and you look exactly the same as all the other pagans? And uh, you're making, you know, <laughs> have you been following the all the the you know quote unquote Christians that are making arguments yeah. for abortion. Mm-hmm. I watched that. Uh, what is her name? Dumez, right? What the Jesus and John Wayne? Mm-hmm. I saw a clip of her just today where she's arguing that well, so, it's, you know, sometimes abortion it's not good, but sometimes it's necessary. Yeah, like th- this is gross. There's not yeah. <laughs> like this. This which is, isn't true. This is some. This is someone who's claiming to be a Christian who is. Not bearing fruit, not right. not bearing fruit of righteousness mm-hmm. um, in this instance. Um, that's not to say she's not a Christian. I don't I don't know the lady. The, the way, but the, it is it is a call for you to examine your life. You're claiming to be a Christian. Do you look like a Christian? Right. Right. Um, I mean, it's easy to call yourself something, but does your life actually reveal that you are one? Right. And that's what that's what's going on here. He's he's the writer here is is confident in verse ten that that the people he's writing to they do look like Christians. Mm-hmm. Now they've grown lazy, so in verses eleven and twelve he's going to call them back to faithfulness. Mm-hmm. But he's saying you I've seen it I've seen the evidence that you're a Christian, so I'm confident that you're going to listen to the warning and you're going to wake up and you're going to persevere and you're gonna you're gonna keep on pers- yeah right you're gonna go. But the reason they go on is because. God is God, yeah, it's God's work. persevering. God's work in in them is persevering them. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's, Phil- it's Philippians, Philippians yeah, right? It's right. Philippians two. Mm-hmm. Um, was it twelve and thirteen? Mm-hmm. That uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I think that would be the warning passage. Yeah. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It sounds like you've got to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you leave that by itself. Then, you, then I think that you can easily fall into legalism. Mm-hmm. But the next verse says, for it is God who is working in you both to will the desire and to work um, for his good purpose. Mm-hmm. So you do have to do something, but the confidence that we have is that it's it's ultimately based in what God is doing through you. Mm-hmm. Um, you so this is not this is not works based salvation. You can't just drum this up, um, you know, from your own willpower. Right. This is something that comes from God. Um, you have been regenerated, which means that you're part of new creation now, and so you ought to be 
living and thinking and um, having affections that look like new creation. Mm-hmm. And right. so, if if that if that's you, if that if that looks like you, that can be assurance for you that um, God is working in you and He is going to bring it to completion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. That's good stuff. All right. I just get tired of of Christians. Um, I think we throw around legalism too easily. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think that anytime there's any kind of works, it's the whole lordship salvation debate. Right. Um, this idea that you can have Jesus as savior but not Jesus as Lord, that is completely foreign to the scriptures. <clears throat> we're we're called slaves all over the New Testament, all over the New slaves Testament. Of Christ, slaves, slaves of Christ, slaves, slaves of righteousness. Um, yeah, so I, this... One thing I think about, you ever see people with, like, stolen valor? The people who haven't served in the military, but they try to wear the uniform? Mm. But they never get it They never get it right. It's always obvious to those who have served. They're mm. like, what, what are you doing? What are you wearing that for? Why do you? Why is that pin there? Mm. Oh, well, I served here. Oh, really? Like, uh, what unit were you in? Oh, well, I was in... Have you ever seen those videos? They're just like... But they, they're close enough to where it would fool... The average, right, the average person would right. be fooled. Uh-huh. Um, I always think of that stolen valor. Uh, there are a lot of people today that claiming to be Christians. They're running around with stolen valor. Like, mm. like uh, you're not. You can't. First off, you're not going to fool most. I think believers, and you definitely aren't going to fool God. <laughs> like you're not. <laughs> right. You're not fooling God. Right. Like people claim to be Navy SEALs and stuff. And you, you. Uh, what's interesting about the Navy SEAL thing is thinking about perseverance. Do you know what the number one dropout reason is for the Navy SEAL? It's not the Hell Week. The Hell Week gets a lot of people. Mm. They have this this run. This made me think of it. Perseverance. They run on the beach and they don't tell them when they're going to make them stop. Okay. And it and not knowing when they'll come to completion. Mm. A lot messes, of messes with messes, them, and they just quit. Mm. Uh, but the people who persevere to the end become Navy SEALs. I mean, you had me at run. Had you at run on the, <laughs> running on the sand, running in the sand? That are, that already did something to me, man. So so <laughs> I'm thinking of it in this way. Yeah. Um, uh, we don't we don't know when it's going to end right. or even how bad it's going to get. Right. Yeah. But we have like an internal the internal willing mechanism yeah. is not our own. Right. It's like a it's it's God's it's like the spirit. it's the spirit as like a, a nuclear reactor. Mm. Like you're gonna keep going, right? Not knowing when how your race is over, right? Um, and only at completion, right? Only through the perseverance are we able to say, yeah, you know, I'm I have assurance because I'm persevering. Mm-hmm. And who's causing my perseverance? Well, God's causing it, right? So you, sh- but you shouldn't have any. And it, I think that can f- even function as a way to bring you back to the church. Right. Like if you've fallen into worldliness, you're not meant to have assurance. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're meant to run back to the church. Yeah. The um, uh, going back to to last week's, you know, that question that that gets brought up: How can I know I'm a Christian? Um, this this doubting that people have, it's usually caused by sin. Mm-hmm. Um. Because they have some sin and they're dealing with with guilt and conviction, and they don't have assurance. You're not supposed to have assurance when right. you're when you're living in sin. That's that's um, that's not the gift of assurance is given to people who are are doing this, mm-hmm. who are doing this, who are showing uh, love for the name of God, and it shows itself by the service 
to the saints through their mm-hmm. their good works. Um, assurance is given to the people who, well, as we'll see in this next the next two verses, it's given to those who strive for it. This, so your third point, third point, is for the purpose of continued trust in God. Mm-hmm. So, so they're they. They can have confidence. So he's had he has confidence, and he's trying to give them, them assurance. Com- give them confidence. So he has assurance. That's 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 verse nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm we're we're confident of better things concerning you for you. But now he wants them to have that assurance mm-hmm. too. So that's the purpose of this. So the warning and the assurance are for the dual purpose of persevering. So you've been warned, persevere, wake up. You've been assured persevere um, uh-huh. you i have it now you have it too uh-huh. so they have to so that's the purpose of these verses of the the assurance is so that they'll continue uh-huh. um, and continue to the end uh-huh. so they've showed they've shown it in the past um, but now he wants them to show the same earnestness that they had in the past now so that they can have assurance yeah so he doesn't want them to be sluggish but mm. to be active persevering and to be imitators to become like a mimic and in a way this is a preview of what's coming up in chapter 11 mm. right that there are other people you can see other christians mm-hmm. who have or have or, or who are actively doing these things yeah you're to imitate them right in this way yeah yeah and uh, we'll we'll look at abraham next week um but again, it's going to be it's going to be God centered. Uh-huh. Why why could Abraham have this? How can you have this? Because of God. Uh, but they're they're called to to persevere, and they can have full assurance that that word that's used for full, it's uh, it's used of um, a sail that that's filled with wind, huh. or a tree that's that's laden with fruit. Um, I use the illustration of a pear tree we have in our backyard. It, it gets the 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 pears, uh-huh. and it it just starts to lean over. Uh-huh. You can have full assurance, and I think that's something that that was that was um, what was that? Um, it was in Sinclair Ferguson's Grace Alone. He's got two: Christ Alone and Grace Alone. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. We gave him out at the conference yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, he has a chapter that's called like the. Um, Oh goodness, the pear tree? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, like the worst, the worst heresy or something. Like th- there was a cardinal during the Reformation, and he said the worst, the worst thing that that the uh, the the Reformation is teaching people is that they can have assurance. Assurance, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh huh. Okay. Um, but this is what the reformers are teaching. Uh-huh. Like in under under Rome, you can never have assurance. Right. You can never have assurance. Mm-hmm. Are you doing enough? Have you gone to confession enough? Have you gone to mass enough? Are you doing enough penance? That's that's why people were buying the indulgences because oh, I've got I've got a piece of paper that this is my assurance right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but but under under the papacy, you can't have assurance. And I think it's just kind of common knowledge that unless you're a saint, you're going to spend some time in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here come the reformers, and they're like, "You can have assurance. You're right. <laughs> you can. You actually can know that you're that you're saved." Um, and I think a lot of Christians, even in Baptist churches, they struggle with that. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're they're supposed to always be doubting. 
they're supposed to always be feeling like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm right. And, uh, <laughs> verses 11 and 12 just fly in the face of that. You can have full assurance, but the way that you do it is you've got to work for it. Yeah. You got to, you got to want it. Right. I'm sure you've told your kids that mm. with, uh, with, <laughs> you know, training, mm. like you got to want it. Mm. Um, that's how you get assurance. Assurance is not given to lazy Christians because Christians are called, they're called athletes, they're called soldiers, they're called farmers. Um, they're, they're not called couch potatoes. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a label for Christians. Uh, a lazy Christian is an oxymoron. You can't, be, you can't be lazy and still f- have that assurance. But if you are, if you obey, if you hear this and you're, you stop being sluggish, you actually can have assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a powerful weapon. Right? When the doubts come, when the persecution comes, when the temptation comes, and you have that assurance that Christ died for me, that he is living now, interceding for me, that the spirit has been given to me, he's empowering me for service, God loves me, that assurance is a powerful weapon. Um, it's, it is something that will energize you for service. But, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's Second Peter chapter one. He says, um, you know, confirm, may, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. And I think a lot of Christians think that that's some kind of mystical feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, well, I don't feel like I'm saved. Um, but before he says that, he gives a list of let your let these things be increasing in your life. Let your virtue and your knowledge and your love let let these things be increasing in your life. Um, because if you have these things and they're increasing, you won't be useless. You won't be unfruitful. But I think a lot of Christians, they spend so much time with doubts of their assurance. How are you going to go out and love your neighbor if you're always wondering, am I even a Christian? Mm. Like, How are you going to serve in the church um, with a clean conscience when you're always feeling like, I don't even know if I'm a believer. I feel like I'm the imposter. Mm. Right? And someone's going to find out. Um, but if, if, you, if you will pursue this assurance, it, it's promised to you. Mm-hmm. You can have that assurance. Um, and you can know that you're a Christian. Yeah. And it may be the height of, um, you know, blasphemy for the the Roman Catholic Church, but it's just biblical Christianity, right? Like it's just what it's what God has promised to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, it's clear he wants them to have it. Yeah. Yeah, he wants them to have it. That's the clear. And that's the clear flow of the text. I like how you made that simple. And he's gonna he's gonna go on in verses thirteen through twenty, and it's even more. Here's here is something else for you to have double assurance. Even more. Yeah. Yeah. I have it, and now I want you to have it about mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's right. good. All right. Yeah. Awesome. So next time, how far will you be going? Into the chapter. Okay. Thirteen through twenty, we'll be looking at. Um, the promise that God gave to Abraham and the promise that he gives to us. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's good. All right. Thanks for checking in, checking us out today. Text Driven Tuesday. Hopefully this has been beneficial to you. You learned a little bit more about Hebrews. If it has, please like, subscribe, and share. And it is our hope and desire. It's helped you to become more conformed to Christ. Come back. Check us out again for free for all Friday. See you then. Bye-bye.